Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. I found this YouTube show that um, I'm, fu I'm fucking obsessed with right now. It's hilarious. Um, it's uh, it was what I was watching last night when I was texting you. Uh, it's called Hot Ones, mm -hmm. where this guy interviews celebrities while they eat like progressively hotter hot wings. Um, and it's really <laughs> it's really funny like so they they like keep going and like they're having these like really like good conversations and like it's really entertaining too because the guy it, it's on youtube well you should watch this after the, the show. it's funny I'll, I'll show you a couple like a couple they're 25 minutes long but uh the guy that's interviewing them i really like him he's 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 a fantastic interviewer he's just very thoughtful he's he's obviously obviously done his research on on the people he's talking to and it's really funny to like see them like kind of go through these progressively hotter hot wings and they they'll get to like there's the one sauce every time it gets them every single time and like the reactions are freaking golden like jd and i literally sat there and watched that for the last two nights and like i was like guttural laughing last night the over, things that like, they're coming up with man that's cool um, it's so funny um it's uh, this has been on for like a few years that i didn't even know right like but it like oh man it was so funny um <laughs> some of the best reactions like oh kevin hearts i i almost died i was laughing so hard um they like Did they get like of... they get like really like sweaty and teared up and it's just so funny i'll show it to you after yeah i want to see it after later like when we're gonna get the gr the crew in here later but um it, it, it's a really good comic relief i've been going through this has to be on this show coming up because the people out there they need to know our listeners need to know um, on our Instagram account, I put together a little video where I am begging one of the new kids on the block to come on the show. And this all stems from the time when we first started this podcast. I got to go on CBC Radio Edmonton and talk about it. And they asked me, who would your biggest guest be? Like, who's your dream guest? And I said, well, a new kid. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So I made a little clip out of that. Yeah. Is there a goal? Like you've interviewed some of these people. You've mm -hmm. heard some of their stories. Is there kind of an ultimate 90s artist that you really would love to get on the line? I think the big get would be New Kids on the Block. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite new kid, Mark? Um, Jerry. <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy. Jer Actually, that okay. Now you're uh, just throwing out names. Who is your favorite, Naomi? <laughs> Jordan. Is that who you'd Jordan, want to get on the line? Say Jordan. Yeah. yeah, okay. Jordan. It's definitely a J. Yeah. 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 Jordan. Jordan. Well, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a great idea. There's lots of nineties music lovers out there, and uh, I think it's great you're doing the podcast. Thanks so much for coming in and telling us about it. It was a blast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Naomi. Wouldn't it be great if this just really got lit up? Podcast. So New Kids fun. on the Block. I'm I'm pushing for it. If you have any connections, get a hold of Naomi Carmack. She's the creator and host of the new music podcast dope nostalgia and you can of course get that wherever you get your podcasts so uh apple google play and the like posted it on instagram tagged them all in it and said guys dreams dreams can come true if we work hard and i'm serious like it can come true so i'm like people tag him tag him please 
And Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg replied and just said, let's get this. Yes. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> just like fangirling hard. <laughs> I've been, well, I mean, I was obsessed with new kids as a, a preteen, but I'm, I'm like, I still love them so much. Like I'm going on this new kids kick right now where I'm watching all these videos and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I still love you guys. <laughs> I, I always find it funny to go back and like watch old videos from when you were like either a kid or a preteen or whatever that like you just like absolutely loved when you were a kid and then going back and rewatching it and you get that like nostalgic vibe, but you're looking at it from like a completely different perspective because you're older. It's here's, like, here's the thing I was trying to rationalize in my brain. If I look at a picture of Jordan Knight when he's 20 years old and I look at a picture of him as, at 50 years old, I still find him equally attractive. But is it weird because now I'm like 41 and I'm looking at a picture of a 20 year old and finding him sexy? Is that fucked up? Or is it no. just me in my young kid's brain still seeing him the same way? Well, yeah, I I did. Think, I, I, well, that that would be no different than like me looking at my wife from like, say, like we've been together for 20 years and I'm looking at her when she was like, you know, when I first met her yeah. and still finding her attractive, even though she's not that age anymore. I that's not weird to me because okay. I found her attractive back then. Right. Okay. I still do. Right. <laughs> OK, it's it's not weird then. All right. I was it's talking to this uh, with our friend Charity yesterday and I sent her this picture of him and uh, when he was like 20 and I'm like, do you think that's like when you look at him there in this picture, do you see a man or do you see a little Justin Bieber boy? <laughs> <laughs> Because when I look, because when I look at Justin Bieber, I, I still see a kid. I think it's. It, I think it depends. Because like, if you've seen them from like when they were a kid and you were an adult, it's hard to unsee them that way. That's yeah. like that's like, you know, me looking at my my stepdaughter. She's she's eighteen. She's legal. She can go and buy booze if she wants to. I still see her as a kid, even though mm -hmm. she's technically a legal adult, but I just, I can't, I can't yeah. unsee that. Right. Yes. You're, you're always going to look at them like they're kids. <laughs> yes. That's where, exactly. whereas you're always going to see the people like, like Jordan Knight as an equal per se. Cause you know, well, no matter what in my life, first of all, obviously this is just like a boy band crush thing. Like, but I mean, he's always consistently been nine years older than me <laughs> right so, yeah. so he's 50 now yeah like fuck he's, he can still get it man he's still yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. awesome that, that's did, a, that's some good fandom right there oh i know and i was like lucky that i got i did get to meet him about i think it was 2004 i got to meet him but he had the flu See, oh man like and what, I got the like, flu like three days later. So I was like, oh, I think I got Jordan's yeah, flu. I got Jordan's flu. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny because I've I've often thought about like, what would happen if I met like one of my like idols or big cru like celebrity crushes and like, I like, for instance, if I met Pink, like I, I don't think I would be able to talk to her. I don't think anything that would come out of my mouth would even be coherent let alone like mm. interesting or <laughs> not embarrassing and what is it about the intimidation factor where they make you like when you're facing like these people that you just kind of like freeze up and you you just have a tough time being yourself see uh, and just relaxing you're just like i'm so afraid that i'm gonna say something stupid right 
I think I, I think for me it it would be trying to collect my thoughts on what to say to her, right? Because um being a fan of somebody for so long, um, you almost feel like you know them. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were to try and like explain to them what they mean to you but you're also very aware that they don't know you yes (laughs) that it it makes it very awkward and odd and then you like start rambling or like that at least that's what I would think would happen and trying to think of something to say that would be memorable in a good way that would set you apart from what they hear all the time well because like like you think of like all all of the things that like like for me how much her music has meant to me. Like I literally could tell her that every single album that she's put out, I could find a piece of myself in that album that like helped me get through some of the hardest times of my life. And I could always find that one song on the album that I'd be like, I could have wrote that. And like having that such a profound connection to somebody you don't even know. And then trying to put that into words, like right now I could probably do that. But then if I was right in front of her, I'd be like, bleh. It's such an awkward, like you said, it's a very awkward dynamic to think that here's a person who knows, does not know you from a hole in the wall, but you know them so well, at least what their public persona is. Right. You And through uh, through their songwriting, but you know them so well, they're such a huge part of your life. It's a very strange dynamic. It is. Yeah. So like, I'm like, I almost don't know if I would ever want to meet like, well, not, I wouldn't say want. Cause I'm like, there's always that little bit of want, but I don't know if I ever could meet her and at least not make an ass out of myself. <laughs> Cause like, man, seeing her in concert, I'm like, that was slightly embarrassing. Thank God it was dark and nobody was watching me, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like a type of social anxiety, I think. Yeah absolutely but like you know it that but that's the the beauty of music it, it's it connects you to so many different like types of people across the world that like all have a genuine common connection mm-hmm. and like especially people who put out like really meaningful music because sometimes like sometimes you're going through so much in your life and you don't know how to put it into words but that person figured it out for you and then it's like I'm taking that song as mine. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's one thing I just like try to do if I'm writing interviews for this show is try to think of questions that aren't things they hear all the time. Basically, if you can Google search the answer, I don't want to ask that question. Right. I want to. I, I think that's, I think that is what it makes a lot of your shows really interesting because you do find those questions that might make them take a second to think about it and oh wow I, you know i because the thing is is with a lot of those common questions they're probably just automatically answering it because they've answered it like 15 million times yeah but then you run the risk of catching them where they don't they like the question but they're just stumped and they don't know what to say yeah i'm like that's fine that's what i, I don't want to stump you but i want you to be more interested in this conversation than just i was thinking of starting to ask some really weird questions that have nothing to do with their careers like, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, something about the 90s. Like, did you ever own a pogo ball? <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. I think, uh, honestly, throwing some of those in, like, on occasion, just just for the hell of it, just for fun, just yeah. to kind of keep things, you know, just yeah. kind of lighthearted, Talking right? to you like a normal person, just like... <laughs> Maybe yeah. bond over some like memorabilia or shit that you had that we had. And you're like, no way. 
that's kind of like the common bond between the celebrity and the non-celebrity, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But all of this was basically pointing to the fact that Donnie Wahlberg responded. It sounds like he was uh, interested and possibly enthusiastic about the idea of talking on the show. And I think that if we could get our listeners to go to my Instagram, go to the dope underscore nostalgia Instagram page, go to the post and tag Donnie in the post. You have to, you can't just like the post because he won't see that. Liking the post is cool for me, but it does nothing to get his attention. But just go in there and be like, yeah, Donnie, we want to see you on the show and just tag him. Boom. The more he sees that, he'll be interested in coming on. So I do invite our listeners to do that. I remember I posted about this on Facebook that Donnie said, let's get this and or let's get it or whatever it was he said. And uh, I had 50 people like my post on Facebook and maybe five of them actually went and tagged him like I had requested. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> but that's what you guys got to do. If you want to see Donnie on the show, if you want to see Donnie or any of the new kids for that matter, hit up my Instagram, dope nostalgia, dope underscore nostalgia tag Donnie Wahlberg in the post. That's all you, you got to do. And uh, he'll see enough of those. Donnie's very busy right now, though. You know, I think it's uh, it's a busy time for him. He's filming his show right now, Blue Bloods. Oh, yeah. He's probably really busy not yeah. checking, like, social media that much, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's probably something he wants to do when it's the right time. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, man, w wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Donnie's huge, man. He's a huge star. When do you watch Wahlburgers? I've never seen Wahlburgers. <laughs> I think there's like 10 seasons of it. There's a lot of I, seasons. Of I've heard of it. I've just never... Is it? Is it on... It's not on like mainstream like cable TV, right? I can't remember what network it's on. Oh, it's on A&E. A&E. Oh, okay. I don't know if I get A&E. I don't I know, if they know I never know what I have anymore because it's like I have cable, but then I also have Prime and then I have Netflix and mm -hmm. then I have Crave. And I'm like, I never know what I'm watching. Like I'm, my mom was asking me the other day because she was looking for a movie. I was like, oh, I've seen that movie. And she's like, Every, everywhere I find it, I have to pay for it. I was like, no, I didn't have to pay for it. She's like, well, where'd you watch it? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I found it one day somewhere. I think yeah. it was Netflix. But... Yeah, all of our media, our visual media is scattered everywhere nowadays. It's hard to know where to find it. But uh, the show isn't running anymore, so I don't know if it's in reruns and on A&E or not. It might be, it might not be. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's cool. And like Mark's on it a lot. You get to meet like Donnie's mom. She's really cool. Alma, she's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, it's it's really a good show. But nice. Wahlburgers on A and E, and they had Don, um, Donnie's mom Alma. They had some of her best recipes from when they were kids, and they have them on the we website. So I tried to make one of them. It's this thing called American Chop Suey, which I had never heard of. But huh. it's kind of like it's kind of like almost like a tomato like beef casserole type thing with like you can put elbow noodles or spiral noodles in it, whatever kind of noodle you like. Um, some pepper, pep like like bell peppers and um beef bacon like tomatoes it was really good i like that sounds it. pretty good actually it was yeah super comfort food basically that's awesome and, have you uh, tried have you tried a lot of like different types of cooking in quarantine yeah like having the time yeah well and i did have the time before i got a job 
Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was trying all kinds of stuff. I made for the first time. I like I made a uh, well, I made bread successfully for the first time. That's awesome. Like fresh, fresh baked bread. bread is like the best. It's so good. What else did I try to make? Oh, there's tons of stuff. I think I took pictures of everything. That I was like, ooh, first time. Yeah. <laughs> you made us an apple crisp that was really tasty i think that was my first apple crisp yep yeah that was what, awesome what kind of apples <laughs> what kind of yours was really good thank you by the way what kind of apples i was gonna ask him like did it turn out uh we actually got those uh from jd's friend summer uh she had um an apple tree that like ne it still needed to be like picked that because there was just so like so many apples still left on it and she's like i need somebody to come and take these apples because it's just gonna be bad once like spring hits and they're all on the ground mm -hmm. so jd and i had had some but we had only used a few of them and then we didn't have a chance to use the rest of them and they ended up going bad before we could use them so we're like oh here's an opportunity for us to get more so it was like right right at the end of the season yeah before it got cold so like they were sitting in our fridge still and we were like it was pretty much like okay we need to use these or these ones are gonna go bad right it's now or never but it's now or never we're doing it so like the one night we made two apple pies and then we had some left over and we were looking at your dish that you had made your apple crisp in and we both thought it would be hilarious to give it back to you with an apple crisp in it. <laughs> It was when I saw it, I was like, oh, you guys, that's really nice. Cause I had just literally was about to make one that night. So perfect. Thank it's you. Like, very it's much. like, we knew it was like a psychic connection. I'm going to just um, use those apples and make one for when my mom comes over for Christmas. That'll be fine. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. Eat, I'll eat all of this one. Well, Speaking I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how those ones taste. Cause like we haven't tasted those ones yet because uh, we made the apple pies, but they're, they were going to be for Christmas, but it's very good apples. I want you to yeah. take a look behind me here. Do you know what can, I don't, it's too dark, but do you know what this thing is here sitting in my kitchen? I don't know is that a treadmill? It. It's an elliptical. Oh, sweet. My sister brought it over, and her husband brought it over. Sweet. They have, they have a better one. They gave me their old one. Well, I, I don't know if it's a gift. Like I'm, I just need it. I need it now to get less fat. <laughs> <laughs> to get less fat. <laughs> like, I'm not going anywhere. So I was like, thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Timing I, is great. Uh, I'm sad that the gyms are shut down now because I'm like, ah. But you know what? I'm I'm also I'm not too concerned because like I had to take some time off when I kind of tweaked my knee a little bit there and um I did not gain or lose any in that two weeks that I did not go to the gym. So I was like, okay, I'm still doing okay. I figured I was going to probably gain some back if my diet wasn't working for me, but it's working. So now I just need to stick to my diet and try and convince myself that I need to work out at home, which is really difficult. <laughs> You'd think it would be easy because it's just right. Everything's right there. But to motivate yourself to get up and do it is kind of rough. It can be rough sometimes it's just easier to go somewhere else because like going the act of just going there, you're going there with a purpose and you're just like, okay, I'm going to do it. But when you're at home, you're like, yeah, but like, you know, my TV is there and you know, I'd rather sit and have a beer or, you know, there's so I many do. other things that I'd rather do. Certified alcoholic right here. Fuck. <laughs> Every day. 
functioning. I like the word functioning. Well, barely functioning alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> I I can yeah. work. I felt like crap this morning. I actually like went to work late. Who goes to work late? Who works at home? <laughs> Did you sleep in? On purpose. On my alarm. Yeah, my alarm went off, and I went well. Like, I'm getting like three, four hours of sleep a night because I just can't get myself to go to bed early. I'm not tired. It's against my natural rhythm of life. And <laughs> I have to be up for seven to start work at seven. And I'm like, this is some bullshit right here. Cause they're all East coast. Right. So it's nine for them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is some crap. <laughs> I, I honestly, I still do the same thing. Like it's been so nine, nine months since like this whole thing started with, the, with COVID and like, so I was working early, but hosting karaoke, as you know. Um, so I was I was used to getting up early and then staying up late for karaoke on the days that I was working. But like now it's been nine months where it's just been me going like to bed at a decent time and getting up early. And I still, still have t- uh, trouble going to sleep at a decent time because I just want to stay awake. And I'm like, yep. It, but this I'm is tired also while going- I'm working. I'm tired at work. I'm yeah. fucking exhausted. I'm falling asleep at the desk. And then and you then get that I'm second work, wind. I'm like, I'm like wait, go, go, go all the way to like three in the morning. Yeah. I, I, like for me, I just like, okay, you have to go to sleep. You have to get up in the morning. It's just like, but I want to be awake. It's like, there's been nights where I laid in bed almost awake until like one in the morning for no good reason other than my body has been used to staying up that late for 15 years <laughs> mm-hmm. and getting up the next day. But I'm like, I, like I got used to not being so permanently exhausted. I'm like, I do not want to fall back into that because I'm like, it really is hard to work like that. It's uh, I admire that you've been working early for like a long time now. So yeah, I'm welcoming you now on the show. Kendra, back with us again, my good friend. Hello. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Getting through these crazy times? Trying to. Trying to. <laughs> As everybody is, I'm sure. Now, before Alana Miles said yes to being on the show, um, you and I had already had a conversation about putting together an episode about her where you and I were just going to talk about her career. Yeah. Yeah, we're both... Uh, pretty big fans i think right i i grew up listening to her like uh her self-titled album was like one of my favorites growing up so we went ahead and uh you know i said okay well let's you and i recorded some information about her earlier and then yeah. all of a sudden i never thought she'd actually respond to the request and she did so <laughs> she i thought you know what she was not i just thought she was too big to be on the show like i thought she was out of my reach I was, you know, I was going to say, you know, I think it's really hilarious because um, this is the second time that that's happened to us because the first time um, you're like, you should come on the show. Like, you know, you're one of my best friends. I want to like, let's do a chat. What's one of the bands or or people that you want to talk about? And I love Mr. Big, right? Mr. Big is one of my favorite bands. And I was like, okay, let's do that one. And you're like, okay, cool. We're going to do that. And no joke. After we decided that we were going to do that. You, you like messaged me. It was like, oh my God, I got Eric Martin and Billy Sheehan. I was like, yeah, what the hell? I was like so excited. And so like, I found it hilarious this time too. Cause like same mm-hmm. thing. I'm like, I love a lot of miles. Like, let's do it. I'm so down for talking about her. And then like a day later you were like, you're never going to believe this. 
I couldn't believe it myself. And the thing is, I didn't tell anybody about it really except real close friends until it actually happened because I was really scared that it wouldn't happen. Didn't want to jinx it. Yeah. I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to be like telling everybody, hey, hey, got a question for Alana, like, and then her not actually be on the show. I figured that would make me look kind of like incompetent or, you know, so I was like, I need to make sure it was completed before I went and off done, and like on social deal. media and be like, it's happened, you guys. <laughs> and uh, honestly, like what, what a cool interview. Like she, I find she was fascinating. Like I love listening to her. I think she's so cool. Like, and just so authentically like herself and doesn't give a shit what yes. anybody else thinks. Absolutely. It's awesome. Interesting. And the stories she had about things that had happened and she pulls no punches yeah he's telling you straightforward how it is and her thoughts on are on things and i really appreciate that about her um one of the scariest questions i had to ask her but i really wanted to know because i've fronted a band for like a decade and i think one of the things that the band's done now but i think one of the things that held me back all these years was my fear of <sighs> telling everybody in the band how i want things to really go and and being the leader and saying, no, we're going to do things this way or, or we're not doing it. And I, I could never do that because I was always more concerned that I was trying to make everybody happy and let everyone have equal say. And in doing that, I fucked myself over completely. Yeah. So my question to her about that was the question, have you ever had basically someone call you a bitch because you were you know, standing up for yourself or saying it, this is the way things are going to be setting out, carving out your own path. How many times yeah, did you yeah. have to deal with people who would say, say derogatory things about you because you're a woman being strong, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of women go through that. Women in powerful positions go through that all the time. Well, I, I think, yeah, because dealing with uh, a strong woman, I think some, some people like they like to try and like, take them down a notch and, and and make it so that they're not like a, a lot of people are intimidated by it. Right. So mm -hmm. trying to take you down a notch by like, Oh, well you're like, you're just being a bitch, you know? And I, I've definitely seen that. Like mm. maybe not personally, because I definitely am not one to like ruffle a lot of feathers. No. I, I'm very diplomatic, but like, yeah, I've seen it don't... like with a lot of like friends of mine who are, cause like I, I tend to really, be drawn to those really strong women and who are really like honest and and like you know pull no punches because like with those kind of with those kind of people especially those kind of women you you know where you stand with them you mm -hmm. never have there's no guesswork right you, you just yeah. they are authentically themselves and it's easy to trust those type of people but like a lot of people and like you know not not to be man-hating at all but like sometimes men particularly can be very intimidated by that and like it i don't know sometimes maybe bruise their ego a little bit but um so yeah it, it's it's kind of a shame that sometimes that happens where women can be looked at as just being a bitch and not just being strong and standing up for themselves where it's a double standard man had said the same thing everybody would be like oh i admire how strong and brave he is Right. Oh, and the woman yeah. says, it like, why is she being such a bitch? It's like, I'm like, that was my biggest fear when I was the band leader was that people in my band might be calling me a bitch behind my back if I, I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I don't recall them ever saying it to my face, but. But 
sometimes it's hard too, like being a woman, if you don't kind of put your foot down and get a little stern, you don't get people who listen to you. And like that, that's where I can come from because like I, on many occasions, if I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, this is my boundaries. This is where I draw my, my line. Nobody wants to listen to me. And uh, it, it was always an interesting thing to see, um, like hosting karaoke, for instance. Um, a, a lot of people that know me know that I hosted with my wife for a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you look at the two of us, I am not a very intimidating looking person <laughs> at all, right? Whereas my, my wife, she could just give you a look and people will listen to her, right? Like yeah. she has but that. But she's also that... really kind. She is very kind, right? And but the thing is, is she also is a very strong woman. And like, if she looks at you and says no, people listen. But I come from that like standpoint where people don't want to listen to me, and it so it it takes me having to get to that point where I like would have to scream at somebody, and then I do look like the bitch, right? And then it turns like then they'll turn around like, man, that like that chick's a bitch. I never want to come back to her show, kind of thing. It's just like such a double standard but if a guy were to be in the same position it wouldn't necessarily be the same and i'm hoping now that we live in a world where that's not as common as a place as it once was that women are feeling more empowered to say and do what they think it's just a matter of how you're doing it i mean for myself i've taken this opportunity during quarantine or what a lockdown or whatever to kind of analyze some of my behaviors over the years and realize there's the character flaws that I have that I need to work on. So I'm really doing that now. Uh, but, but in saying that, like, yeah, I need to realize too that it's okay to be strong and go after what I want and not let anyone stop me do that. Do it from doing that. But, but to do it in a kind manner and not step on people, not hurt people, you know. And I think honestly, just it comes from a place of like honesty and like truthfulness. Like if you not are talk shit about people and yeah, not, always not drop shade and <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that level of like honesty and integrity with the way that you go about things. Like, it, and that that's why, like, like I said before, I really, really am drawn to those types of types of people that are authentically, unapologetically, just who they are, no bullshit, just honest and. Because you just always know where you stand with those people. They're not going to play mind games with you. They're If they're going to be truthful with you, sometimes the truth hurts. But you know, if you know them, and you know the type of person they are, and you know their heart, you know that it's coming from a good place, even if it doesn't always feel good. But like, I would rather somebody be honest with me and tell me the truth than to spare my feelings and then go behind my back and say something, right? Mm-hmm. And th that's honestly what I, I, I love, like listening to Alana Miles, like she really does seem like that type of person, like she's not going to sugarcoat it for you, but she's coming from a place of like true authenticity and like wanting to just be honest with you for like the sake mm -hmm. of whatever it is that she's like wanting you to be better for or whatever. Right. Like, and those kind of people are awesome because, you know, like it, I feel like you can grow so much from those type of people. Oh Yeah. I, uh, one question that I was intimidated to approach would be about her back injury. Um, cause I knew I should bring it up, but I didn't know at what point would be the right time to bring it up. And thankfully she is the one who mentioned it. And that's yeah. when I was able to say, how are you doing with that? Like, 
you know yeah right try to see where she's at right now physically and how she's been dealing with it well, it's just so inspiring how she's dealt with it oh like uh, and it's she crazy. hasn't let it like, stop what, her well and like what a what a crazy injury to get like if like honestly i i wasn't keen on the idea of going to a chiropractor before anyways but like after hearing that story about what happened with her i'm like no scare it scares me too much but like i will not i mean i've in the last couple of years i've gone for my hips but i've never like when he touches my back or if he i will not let them touch my neck absolutely yeah. refuse i um, have heard of a couple of people that have gotten like broken necks from chiropractors and i just the idea scares the hell out of me like that it, it, it would take like just the one wrong moment of like you know them tweaking you the wrong way and then like you're completely like life is turned upside down and <laughs> i already know what it's like to have an injury that completely turns your life upside down i don't need any more <laughs> no um, no but Man, my chiropractor's hot though so it's i kind of oh. like it <laughs> <laughs> well i guess it's a bonus right <laughs> but uh, I i'm kind of into it crack me baby it's fine <laughs> you could write a song about that <laughs> i suppose i could crack crack me baby one more time crack me that's ooh, that's gold i like that <laughs> um i actually find it amazing that alana miles can still sing with, yeah. with that injury because like when it comes to singing tension can be such a difficult thing to deal with like mm -hmm. And she's got to have so much tension, like considering that she can't move her neck really. Right. And, um, I, I actually listened to a couple of videos, like live videos, like of her after, after her injury. And like, she still sounds like gold. I'm like, wow. Oh yeah. Breath like, support amazing. was another thing I was wondering if her breath support would be the same, but you don't really hear difficulty with her breath support in her in her voice so it's fantastically yeah. trained i mean also when you're taking a breath to sing though you're not really so you're definitely not supposed to let your shoulders rise in the first place yeah so like you're supposed that, to breathe I, from your stomach going out so yeah in that sense she should be able to get a decent breath yeah it's just a matter of like having the looseness up in the top part of your body that would make it really hard to open up mm -hmm. i would find um but she she still sounds so good and i'm like wow like what a gift and like i find it really inspiring that she just chose to adapt you know like she could have just been like okay well you know there goes my singing career but like you know that i think that's super admirable that she wanted to just still keep going and find a way to get through it and still be amazing she was very candid about the record company and how in the end she ended up owing them so much money and the bullshit that a lot, there's a running theme with a lot of the artists I've talked to about how record companies treated you. Mm -hmm. um, it's all just a giant loan and they fuck you with it because yeah, there was one chat I had where he said, yeah, they would like order us to the records, to the studio while we're recording, they'd order us like, lobster dinners and alcohol and all this great stuff and they're, they're like oh it's the record company's paying for it no problem well in fact you the band is paying for it in the end yeah yeah they're just, they're just tacking it onto the tab yeah uh I, i've heard a, a bunch of stories like that too um 
I actually just watched um uh what was it? It was a documentary about the boy bands from like the nineties, like so like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and how they got kind of screwed over in the same same sort of oh, uh, yeah. vibe. Right. Like they Yeah, their contracts with Lou Pearlman were garbage. They were garbage. And I was just like man like they worked their asses off they were working like 18 hour days like like practicing and like choreography and interviews and all of these things and not seeing their family and working through holidays and at the end of the year they got something like ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the year i was like wow you can make more Brutal. starbucks <laughs> i gotta say yeah both those bands got screwed over especially well i know nsync did for sure because they took their careers back and they put yeah. when they put out no strings attached um because they were worried that they had no support going into that after they had been to the court and everything but they blew up bigger than ever from it and everything was fine yeah. um was I gonna but say? There, there, there's lots of artists that never did come back i heard um if i'm correct i heard that like tony braxton went through the same thing and she never really got i think the career that she deserved because she's phenomenal Um, I think when you're young and you're eager and you're hungry to be a star, I wonder how closely you read your record contract before you sign it. Or do you have your own entertainment lawyer to read over with you and explain to you what it means? Or do you just sign on the dotted line because you're so excited to get your music out there? I think I I would have made probably that. (laughs) I would have probably, if it were me, just sign the contract and let the chips fall where they may. And then once you're successful, you're like, well, why am I making no money? Well, I would have, I'd go, well, I fuck myself over, but these people do deserve more because they did all the work and they're the ones that brought the money in. Yeah, exactly. But I think honestly, that's why there's so many people that are into self-promotion now. Like, like there's so much that you don't even need a label for essentially, like you can literally get the equipment to do your own little home studio and do your own recordings and put it out there. Like, it's a beautiful thing if you already have a name and clout behind it. If yeah. you don't have a name, you're just like a wash in a sea of everyone doing the same thing. It's so true. you have to do something that makes you stand apart. But you know what? Sometimes too, it just it, it's the right place at the right time. Like like with with anything. Like look at Billie Eilish. Like they 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 blew up over a song that they put out, not even for people to like try and buy their their music. Um, so Billie Eilish was a dancer mm-hmm. and with the, the dance crew or whatever, she, who she was dancing with, her teacher was like, she knew that she and her brother Phineas did music. So she asked them to do a song for a dance recital or something that they were putting together. And so the, the teacher had given them like the specific requirements for this song with tempo and everything. And they wrote and recorded Ocean Eyes. And so they put it out on Spotify because that's like they were going to use the song for this dance recital for Billie Eilish. And no joke, like the next day they had over a thousand listens in like a 24 hour span or something like something crazy like that. And the song started blowing up and it wasn't even intended for like it was put on it was put on soundcloud actually that's what it was it was soundcloud that it was put on so it wasn't even put on like a major like streaming site that most people listen to um and then they ended up getting picked up from a label from that so like it, it's crazy how it, if you have something that catches on with people it could just take off and you didn't even see it coming 
It's true. And that um, was like, that was a few years ago. And she just put out like her debut album, like what, last year, technically. She had a whole bunch of singles that she had released. But like her like actual debut album didn't come out until like, and then like here they are with like how many Grammys. <laughs> it's a very rare success story for Billie Eilish. And uh, good for her. Like, I, I have a hard time embracing her music. I don't know why. I think it's just, I have my mindset in a very certain era, hence why I have this podcast. I feel like the art of the hook is missing and I'm having a hard time embracing how music is made now. So I need to be a little bit more open to that, but there's um when that, somebody like Bruno Mars comes along or Lady Gaga and they bring back those 90s beats and that melody and I just adore them. And I I, I could totally I could totally see why because like they definitely have those elements from the 90s that like would totally draw in that like that kind of era or like those the people that listened to that era. Um, I definitely for myself, I've always been drawn to uh, like the melancholy kind of obscure ballads. Mm-hmm. um hence why i i, I love sarah Bareilles so much because yeah. like she's full of those songs same yeah. with like adele like By the way if anybody ever tells you that you, uh they're a sarah Bareilles fan there's about a 98 percent chance that they're a singer themselves just saying <laughs> it's true she's, saying. She, she is a, a a like singer's singer like anybody who like loves a good challenge when it comes to singing loves her but she's incredibly talented her technique is like some, damn like so, damn like I, I i try so hard to model myself after her and it's just not easy but um there there's a difference like i find with billy eilish her music is like um kind of in that same vein it's very emotional it's very deep and like it hits you in a spot like that might take you to those darker places but you feel better because it's like mm-hmm. wow like i i totally get that feeling i know how that is and it's like uh taking a page out of like a diary or a journal and like being able to relate to that so like not having that like really like crazy like hook or whatnot like i find her music the whole thing can be just haunting and 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 draw me in that way Mm. but um it definitely like it's not necessarily for everybody it's definitely different music it's very um like what's the word i'm looking for like it it's in its own lane i i don't think there's a whole lot that sounds particularly like it but Which it's very well thought good out thing because that's what makes you unique and then uh the the other people are just trying to copy after that for a while yeah because yeah. like or back in the day with a record company they just try to clone you right. you know, we, we suddenly need like 20 avril lavines because one one did her thing and was anti-pop and now we need 20 of them yeah, or you know, <laughs> the Baxter Boys came out. We got to put them in sync now, <laughs> which was purposely organized and yeah. engineered to create a boy band war. Yeah, the rivalry, like that was totally. Because it drove the ki- the kids insane, drove the girls out there insane, and it sold more records. When you had the two of them vying against each other, and the guys yeah. didn't have a problem with each other. They didn't. They didn't understand why. Why are they supposed to not like each other? They, they never held well, it against each other. 
Well, um, when I was like watching the documentary where they were talking about it, they did at one point not like each other because Lou Pearlman had pitted them so badly right. against each other. He would tell them that the other band said this about them and said that yeah. about them when they didn't. Right. That's and right. Uh, so they did. At one point, they hated each other for no good reason other than the fact that Lou Pearlman was putting, pitting them against each other. I'm like, man, what a shame. Like, <laughs> That's like dirty the, pop. That's the, dirty pop. Ah, dirty pop. Bullshit. <laughs> Unfair. Now, I was going to say, um, going back to the Alana thing, um, there's some facts about her that people may not know. Um, she hosted a Space Channel series called Beyond. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she did. Um, like, I would say probably in the early 2000s, I think. Um, and as she talked about the fact that she had owed money to the record company, by 2007, According to Wikipedia, she owed the record company $30,000. Wow. Now, I don't remember if we talked numbers in the interview. I got to say right now, this to everybody listening, this thing you and I are recording right now, the, the interview with Atlanta happened like two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I am going to be hearing it again when I edit it right after this, when I edit it this week. So I know she talked about how the, the debt racked up, but I don't remember the, if she threw any numbers in there. So according to Wikipedia, it was thirty thousand. Um, her dad was her dad was actually instrumental in creating Hockey Night in Canada. Oh wow, that's kind of another, that's cool. Another little known. It's fact. very very Canadian. Very Canadian fact. Um, uh, there, I do remember in the interview she mentioned dating a very famous person, very famous musician. Yes. Do you know who that is? I don't think she mentioned his name in the interview. Is it uh, Robert, if you, Plant? Robert Plant? Robert Plant. If you go on Google and you Google who she's dated or whatever, you Alana Miles, Robert Plant, there it is. Could you imagine the duet that they could do? <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I I was looking at like some stuff of uh, like tidbits that like might be interesting about her. And um, so I, I knew that Black Velvet was written about Elvis. Um which I, I always I always found interesting that I like she did a song about Elvis. Um, but I actually found out the story behind why they wrote a song about Elvis in the first place. Why? Um, so her boyfriend at the time was Chris Ward, who is yes. one of the songwriters on Black Velvet, and uh, he was on a bus um, with a bunch of like Elvis fans, and they're all dressed up as Elvis, and they're going to um, this like. 10th anniversary uh um vigil at graceland for elvis mm -hmm. and he was on the bus going to memphis and he found it really fascinating and all these people were dressed like that and decided that he wanted to write a song about elvis so then he had gone home and like talked to alana and uh the other songwriter david tyson mm -hmm. and he pitched this idea to them and they actually wrote the bridge first that's how it all started was being a, a bus full so of like, Elvis people. <laughs> every word of every song. That part? Was yeah. Part written first? Yeah. Apparently it was the bridge. I I don't like recall the, the ever melody maybe first. I know I found that really interesting. Sometimes though you could write a bridge and you originally intended it to be another part of the song. Like a chorus, and then you're like, This is so abridged. Uh, I like <sighs> JD and I have done that so many times where it's like turned something into the bridge that was but yeah i found it really interesting i'm like could you imagine being on a, on a bus full of people like dressed like elvis <laughs> like mm -hmm. like what what an interesting story 
and then yeah. have, having such an iconic song written afterwards and i would have been one of those people who never knew it was a song about elvis but when you listen to, once you know it's about elvis and you listen to it you can't not you go, hear it oh yeah i get it now <laughs> <laughs> all the clues were there where the hell what was i thinking yeah they weren't, and i was very blatant I, actually right and i was like well like why black like why black velvet for elvis like i know like how does that even work and then when i was looking it up um, I guess like he had a whole bunch of artwork that was painted of him on like black velvet. Yes. And apparently he also uh, used like hair dye that was also called black velvet. So I was like, wow, huh. he, obviously black velvet was definitely something that was associated with him. So I was yeah. like, wow, interesting. Isn't that cool? And the, I always, I, I always found the paintings I'd heard about, I think earlier, but isn't that wild? Yeah, I, I I always I always find it really interesting um, to find out where somebody's head was at or why they wrote a song. I always find it yeah. interesting because like songs can be so widely interpreted, like depending on like your own point of view and like what you get out of it that you connect to. And then yeah. sometimes when you hear what it's actually about, the like, references were very. I feel like they were blatant, but still metaphorical. Where right. you could still kind of interpret your own in, like idea of what the song's about. Yeah. But, the, but the, like when you say love me tender leaves them crying in the aisle. Well, yeah. They're painting yeah. a picture of what it would have, what his success would have been like. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. Metaphorically speaking. Such a well-written song though. Like when you think of like just those lines, like that line in particular, it's such and a she's- good song. And she's very straight to the point, like we said earlier. Um, it's one thing I appreciated about her very much. Um, so definitely an interesting human being and just a pleasure to talk to. As terrified as I was going into that, I felt pretty at ease into it, probably about 20 minutes into it, I think. Uh, yeah. And as we were was- talking earlier about like talking to people that are intimidating, I totally would get that. I was like... I. I was li- listening to it uh, when you sent it to me and I was like, man, I don't even know how she's doing this right now. I would be intimidated to shit. I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it, say anything. Uh, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's I... cool. <laughs> I have it planned out pretty well before I go into it, just in case. The best interviews are the ones that take on their own life and you hardly ever look at your questions because they're actually just having a conversation with you and it's just developing organically yeah it's the best but like sometimes you might be in a situation where a person might not be really giving you that much so you have to dig a little deeper and you have more questions to ask Um, yeah Alana Miles isn't one of those people she had a lot to say and it was very interesting all of it yeah like what what a cool lady like i i'm so happy that you were able to talk to her i'm like wow amazing (laughs) alana thank you so much for the time you spend on the show and like all continued success to you she's got music coming out and once again she also said if you're looking to support her and buy her music make sure you're buying the versions that actually support her don't be buying the original record company versions she's re-released all her stuff so that she can actually profit off of it which is yeah. how it should be. So make sure you're looking for that. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. 
Merry Christmas. It is December 24th. So I hope everybody has a blessed holiday season, no matter where you are and what you're dealing with. Let's uh, just hope for a better new year. Hey, 2021. Yeah. Let's, we got a vaccine now. Yeah. William Shakespeare's already had the vaccine. All the way through. William William Shakespeare had the vaccine. (laughs) So he was like, what, the second person to get it, I think. Yeah, he was in the first day, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. UK started first. No, Russia apparently started first. Oh, did they? I heard about the UK. Russia has their own vaccine. They don't need our vaccine, apparently. Mm. (laughs) La-di-da. Yeah, I ain't no conspiracy theorist when it comes to this. I'm like, just get it in me. I want that fucking vaccine. I just want want things to be back to normal. Oh, my God. Like this whole idea of new normal, this better not be new normal. I don't want this. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be an overnight change back to normal. I think it's going to take time because there's going to be a lot of people who are resistant to change and the vaccine. I mean, to each their own, but in this kind of situation, I don't like to talk about this kind of thing too much or get political or anything on the show because this is a happy fun time show. (laughs) (laughs) And not everyone's going to agree, but if we can at least agree to disagree in a kind way and, and be kind to one another and not be so damn selfish, this isn't about you. This is about your grandmother and your mother and your dad. And that's, that's really, and, and the people who, who aren't, um, some people don't know they're not able to fend it off for themselves. They don't know that they might have an underlying condition. Right. So if you think this is all a fucking hoax, well, good for you, but. Uh, I already know people who've been very ill from it. Very ill from it. I have known this a few no, people who have died from it. So this it's, is no it's joke. definitely very real. It's very real. Yeah. Anyways, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Right. Thanks again, Kendra. Thanks for having me. I love being on the show. Sweet. Sweet. Follow us on Facebook at Dope Nostalgia, Instagram, Dope underscore Nostalgia, or on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.